Section 27 of The Elements of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Elements of Geology by William Harmon Norton. Chapter 20, Section 2. Life of the Mesozoic. Plant Life of the Triassic and Jurassic. The carboniferous forests of lepidodendrons and sagalophids had now vanished from the earth. The uplands were clothed with conifers, like the Araucarian pines of South America and Australia. Dense forests of tree ferns throve in moist regions, and cane brakes of horsetails of modern type, but with stems reaching four inches in thickness, bordered the lagoons and marshes. Cycads were exceedingly abundant. These gymnosperms, related to the pines and spruces in structure and fruiting, but palm-like in their foliage, and uncoiling their long leaves after the manner of ferns, culminated in the Jurassic. From the viewpoint of the botanist, the Mesozoic is the age of cycads, and after this era they gradually declined to the small number of species now existing in tropical latitudes. Plant Life of the Cretaceous in the lower Cretaceous, the woodlands continued of much the same type as during the Jurassic. The forerunners now appeared of the modern dicotyls, plants with two seed leaves, and in the middle Cretaceous, the monocotyledonous group of palms came in. Palms are so much like cycads that we may regard them as descendants of some cycad type. In the upper Cretaceous, cycads became rare. The highest types of flowering plants gain a complete ascendancy, and forests of modern aspect cover the continent from the Gulf of Mexico to the Arctic Ocean. Among the kinds of forest trees whose remains are found in the continental deposits of the Cretaceous are the magnolia, the myrtle, the laurel, the fig, the tulip tree, the chestnut, the oak, beech, elm, poplar, willow, birch, and maple. Forests of eucalyptus grew along the coasts of New England, and palms on the Pacific shores of British Columbia. Sequoias of many varieties ranged far into northern Canada. In northern Greenland there were luxuriant forests of magnolias, figs, and cycads, and a similar flora has been disinterred from the Cretaceous rocks of Alaska and Spitsbergen. Evidently the lands within the Arctic Circle enjoyed a warm and genial climate as they had done during the Paleozoic. Greenland had the temperature of Cuba and southern Florida, and the time was yet far distant when it was to be wrapped in glacier ice. Invertebrates During the long succession of the ages of the Mesozoic, with their vast geographical changes, there were many great changes in organisms. Species were replaced again and again by others better fitted to the changing environment. During the Lower Cretaceous alone, there were no less than six successive changes in the faunas which inhabited the limestone-making sea, which then covered Texas. We shall disregard these changes for the most part in describing the life of the era, and shall confine our view to some of the most important advances made in the leading types. Stromatopora have disappeared. Protozoans and sponges are exceedingly abundant, and all contribute to the making of Mesozoic strata. Corals have assumed a more modern type. Sea urchins have become plentiful. Crinoids abound until the Cretaceous, where they begin their decline to their present humble station. Trilobites and Eurypterids are gone. 
ten-footed crustaceans abound of the primitive long-tailed type, represented by the lobster and crayfish, and in the Jurassic there appears the modern short-tailed type, represented by the crabs. The latter type is higher in organization and now far more common. In its embryological development it passes through the long-tailed stage. Connecting links in the Mesozoic also indicate that the younger type is the offshoot of the older. Insects evolve along diverse lines, giving rise to beetles, ants, bees, and flies. Brachiopods have dwindled greatly in the number of their species, while mollusks have correspondingly increased. The great oyster family dates from here. Cephalopods are now to have their day. The archaic Orthoceros lingers onto the Triassic and becomes extinct. But a remarkable development is now at hand for the more highly organized descendants of this ancient line. We have noticed that in the Devonian the sutures of some of the chambered shells became angled, evolving the goniotite type. The sutures now became lobed and corrugated in ceratites. The process was carried still farther, and the sutures were elaborately frilled in the great order of the ammonites. It was in the Jurassic that the ammonites reached their height. No fossils are more abundant or characteristic of their age. Great banks of their shells formed beds of limestone in warm seas the world over. The ammonite stem branched into a most luxuriant variety of forms. The typical form was closely coiled like a nautilus. In others, the coil was more or less open or even erected into a spiral. Some were hook-shaped and there were members of the order in which the shell was straight and yet retained all the internal structures of its kind. At the end of the Mesozoic the entire tribe of Ammonites became extinct. The Belemnite, Greek Belemnon, a dart, is a distinctly higher type of cephalopod which appeared in the Triassic, became numerous and varied in the Jurassic and Cretaceous and died out early in the Tertiary. Like the squids and cuttlefish of which it was the prototype, it had an internal calcareous shell. This consisted of a chambered and suffuncled cone whose point was sheathed in a long solid guard somewhat like a dart. The animal carried an ink sack and no doubt used it as that of the modern cuttlefish is used to darken the water and make an easy escape from foes. Bellumnites have sometimes been sketched with fossil sepia or India ink from their own ink sacks. In the Bellumnites and their descendants the squids and cuttlefish, the cephalopods made the radical change from external to the internal shell. They abandoned the defensive mechanism of warfare and boldly took up the offensive. No doubt, like their descendants, the Belemnites were exceedingly active and voracious creatures. Fishes and Amphibians In the Triassic and Jurassic, little progress was made among the fishes, and the ganoid was still the leading type. In the Cretaceous, the teleosts, or bony fishes, made their appearance, while ganoids declined towards their present subordinate place. The amphibians culminated in the Triassic, some being formidable creatures as large as alligators. They were still of the primitive Paleozoic types. Their pygmy descendants of more modern types are not found until later, salamanders appearing first in the Cretaceous and frogs at the beginning of the Cenozoic. No remains of amphibians have been discovered in the Jurassic. Do you infer from this that there were none in existence at that time? Reptiles of the Mesozoic The great order of reptiles made its advent in the Permian. 
culminated in the Triassic and Jurassic and began to decline in the Cretaceous. The advance from the amphibian to the reptile was a long forward step in the evolution of the vertebrates. In the reptile, the vertebrate skeleton now became completely ossified. Gills were abandoned and breathing was by lungs alone. The development of the individual from the egg to maturity was uninterrupted by any metamorphosis, such as that of the frog when it passes from the tadpole stage. Yet, in advancing from the amphibian to the reptile, the evolution of the vertebrate was far from finished. The cold-blooded, clumsy and sluggish, small-brained and unintelligent reptile is as far inferior to the higher mammals, whose day was still to come, as it is superior to the amphibian and fish. The reptiles of the Permian, the earliest known, were much like lizards in form of body, constituting a transition type between the amphibians on the one hand and both the higher reptiles and mammals on the other. They retain the archaic biconcave vertebra of the fish and in some cases the persistent notochord. While some of them, the theromorphs, possessed characters allying them with mammals. In these, the skull was remarkably similar to that of the carnivores, or flesh-eating mammals, and the teeth, unlike the teeth of any other reptiles, were divisible into incisors, canines, and molars, as are the teeth of mammals. At the opening of the Mesozoic era, reptiles were the most highly organized and powerful of any animals on Earth. New ranges of continental extent were open to them, food was abundant, and the climate was congenial and they now branched into very many diverse types which occupied and ruled all fields, the land, the air, and the sea. The Mesozoic was the age of reptiles. The ancestry of surviving reptilian types. We will consider first the evolution of the few reptilian types which have survived to the present. Crocodiles, the highest of existing reptiles, are a very ancient order dating back to the lower Jurassic and traceable to earlier ancestral generalized forms, from which sprang several other orders also. Turtles and tortoises are not found until the early Jurassic, when they already possess the peculiar characteristics which set them off so sharply from other reptiles. They seem to have lived at first in shallow water and in swamps, and it is not until after the end of the Mesozoic that some of the order became adapted to life on the land. The largest of all known turtles, Archelon, whose home was the great interior Cretaceous Sea, was fully a dozen feet in length and must have weighed at least two tons. The skull alone is a yard long. Lizards and snakes do not appear until after the close of the Mesozoic, although their ancestral lines may be followed back into the Cretaceous. We will now describe some of the highly specialized orders peculiar to the Mesozoic. Land Reptiles the dinosaurs, terrible reptiles, are an extremely varied order which were masters of the land from the late Triassic until the close of the Mesozoic era. Some were far larger than elephants, some were as small as cats. Some walked on all fours, some were bipedal. Some fed on the luxuriant tropical foliage, and others on the flesh of weaker reptiles. They may be classed in three divisions, the flesh-eating dinosaurs, the reptile-footed dinosaurs, and the beaked dinosaurs the latter two divisions being herbivorous. The flesh-eating dinosaurs are the oldest known division of the order, and their characteristics are shown in figure 329. As a class, reptiles are egg-layers, oviparous, 
but some of the flesh-eating dinosaurs are known to have been viviparous, i.e. to have brought forth their young alive. This group was the longest lived of any of the three, beginning in the Triassic and continuing to the close of the Mesozoic era. Contrast the small forelimbs, used only for grasping, with the powerful hind limbs on which the animal stalked about. Some of the species of this group seem to have been able to progress by leaping in kangaroo fashion. Notice the sharp claws, the ponderous tail, and the skull set at right angles with the spinal column. The limb bones are hollow. The ceratosaurs reached a length of some 15 feet and were not uncommon in Colorado and the western lands in Jurassic times. The reptile-footed dinosaurs, sauropoda, include some of the biggest brutes which ever trod the ground. One of the largest, whose remains are found entombed in the Jurassic rocks of Wyoming and Colorado, is shown in figure 330. Note the five digits on the hind feet, the quadrupedal gait, the enormous stretch of neck and tail, the small head aligned with the vertebral column. Diplodocus was fully 65 feet long and must have weighed about 20 tons. The thigh bones of the sauropoda are the largest bones which ever grew. That of a genius allied to the Diplodocus measures 6 feet and 8 inches, and the total length of the animal must not have been far from 80 feet, the largest land animal known. The sauropoda became extinct when their haunts along the rivers and lakes of the western plains of Jurassic times were invaded by the Cretaceous Interior Sea. The beaked dinosaurs, predentata, were distinguished by a beak sheathed with horn carried in front of the tooth-set jaw, and used, we may imagine, in stripping the leaves and twigs of trees and shrubs. We may notice only two of the most interesting types. Stegosaurus plated reptile takes its name from the double row of bony plates arranged along its back. The powerful tail was armed with long spines, and the thick skin was defended with irregular bits of bone implanted in it. The brain of the stegosaur was smaller than that of any land vertebrate, while in the sacrum the nerve canal was enlarged to ten times the capacity of the brain cavity of the skull. Despite their feeble wits, this well-armored family lived on through millions of years which intervened between their appearance at the opening of the Jurassic and the close of the Cretaceous when they became extinct. A less stupid brute than the stegosaur was Triceratops, the dinosaur of the three horns, one horn carried on the nose and a massive pair set over the eyes. Note the enormous wedge-shaped skull with its sharp beak and the hood behind resembling a fireman's helmet. Triceratops was fully 25 feet long and twice the bulk of an elephant. The family appeared in the upper Cretaceous and became extinct at its close. Their bones are found buried in the freshwater deposits of the time from Colorado to Montana and eastward to the Dakotas. Marine Reptiles In the ocean, reptiles occupy the place now held by the aquatic mammals, such as whales and dolphins, and their form and structure were similarly modified to suit their environment. In the ichthyosaurus, fish reptile, for example, the body was fish-like in form, with short neck and large pointed head, figure 333. A powerful tail, whose flukes were set vertical, and the lower one of which was vertebrated, served as propeller, while a large dorsal fin was developed as a cutwater. 
The primitive bioconcave vertebrae of the fish and of the early land vertebrates were retained, and the limbs degenerated into short paddles. The skin of the ichthyosaur was smooth like that of a whale, and its food was largely fish and cephalopods, as the fossil contents of its stomach prove. These sea monsters disported along the Pacific shore over northern California in Triassic times, and the bones of immense members of the family occur in the Jurassic strata of Wyoming. Like whales and seals, the ichthyosaurs were descended from land vertebrates which had become adapted to a marine habitat. Pliosaurs were another order which ranged throughout the Mesozoic. Descended from small amphibious animals, they later included great marine reptiles, characterized in the typical genus by long neck, snake-like head, and immense paddles. They swam in the Cretaceous interior sea of western North America. Mosasaurs belong to the same order as do snakes and lizards, and are an offshoot of the same ancestral line of land reptiles. These snake-like creatures, which measured as much as 45 feet in length, abounded in the Cretaceous seas. They had large conical teeth, and their limbs had become stout paddles. The lower jaw of the mosasaur was jointed. The quadrate bone, which in all reptiles connects the bone of the lower jaw with the skull, was movable. And as in snakes, the lower jaw could be used in thrusting prey down the throat. The family became extinct at the end of the Mesozoic and left no descendants. One may imitate the movement of the lower jaw of the mosasaur by extending the arms, clasping the hands, and bending the elbows. Flying Reptiles The atmosphere, which had hitherto been tenanted only by insects, was first conquered by the vertebrates in the Mesozoic. Pterosaurs, winged reptiles, whose whole organism was adapted for flight through the air, appeared in the Jurassic and passed off the stage of existence before the end of the Cretaceous. The bones were hollow, as are those of birds. The sternum, or breastbone, was given a keel for the attachment of the wing muscles. The fifth finger, prodigiously lengthened, was turned backward to support a membrane which was attached to the body and extended to the base of the tail. The other fingers were free, and armed with sharp and delicate claws, as shown in figures 336 and 337. These dragons of the air varied greatly in size. Some were as small as sparrows, while others surpassed in stretch of wing the largest birds of the present day. They may be divided into two groups. The earliest group comprises genera with jaws set with teeth, and with long tails sometimes provided with a rudder-like expansion at the end. In their successors of the later group, the tail had become short, and in some of the genera the teeth had disappeared. Among the latest of the flying reptiles was the ornithostoma, birdbeak, the largest creature which ever flew, and whose remains are embedded in the offshore deposits of the Cretaceous Sea, which held sway over our western plains. Ornithostoma's spread of wings was twenty feet. Its bones were a marvel of lightness. The entire skeleton, even in its petrified condition, not weighing more than five or six pounds. The sharp beak, a yard long, was toothless and bird-like, as its name suggests. The earliest known birds are found in the Jurassic, and during the remainder of the Mesozoic they contended with the flying reptiles for the empire of the air. The first feathered creatures were very different from the birds of today. Their characteristics proved them an offshoot of the dinosaur line of reptiles. Archaeopteryx, 
ancient bird, figure 338, exhibits a strange mingling of bird and reptile. Like birds, it was fledged with perfect feathers, at least on wings and tail, but it retained the teeth of the reptile, and its long tail was vertebrated, a pair of feathers springing from each joint. Throughout the Jurassic and Cretaceous, the remains of birds are far less common than those of flying reptiles, and strata representing hundreds of thousands of years intervene between Archaeopteryx and the next birds of which we know, whose skeletons occur in the Cretaceous beds of western Kansas. Mammals So far as the entries upon the geological records show, mammals made their advent in a very humble way during the Trias. These earliest of vertebrates, which suckle their young, were no bigger than young kittens, and their strong affinities with the theromorphs suggest that their ancestors are to be found among some generalized types of that order of reptiles. During the long ages of the Mesozoic, mammals continued small and few, and were completely dominated by the reptiles. Their remains are exceedingly rare, and consist of minute scattered teeth, with an occasional detached jaw, which proved them to have been flesh or insect eaters. In the same way, their affinities are to be seen with the lowest of mammals, the monotremes and marsupials. The monotremes, such as the duckbill mole and the spiny anteater of Australia, reproduce by means of eggs resembling those of reptiles. The marsupials, such as the possum and the kangaroo, bring forth their young alive, but in a very immature condition and carry them for some time after birth in the marsupium, a pouch on the ventral side of the body. End of section 27, recorded by Andrew Nelson, Atlanta, Georgia.